0: In the name of the Father and the Son of the Lord, amen. One of my favorite lessons in the uh, gospel lessons is the story of the prodigal son. I wasn't going to say much about it today because this is Transfiguration Sunday in our denomination, in the Roman Catholic denomination, the Lutherans, and and the Episcopals, and, and other denominations. But some have switched. Transfiguration Sunday to be the last Sunday before the first Sunday of Lent. And there's good reason for that and not so good reason for that. I like it right where it is because it's been here all the the many years, Transfiguration Sunday. But first of all, I do want to remark about the gospel lesson that uh, Brian read to you. Being one of my favorites and being a father, I have five... I'd like to say wonderful kids. Sometimes they're wonderful. Um, But occasionally, some of them, one of them, two of them go astray. And I know how that father was waiting for that son to come home, being out in that road every day, looking for that son to return. Is that him? Is that him? Fathers never give up on their sons and their daughters. They never give up. And I'm speaking to human fathers, but also our God in heaven. He is always there waiting for us to come back. And you better believe it, because I, like you, at some times in my life, have not been the saint that you see before you today. I have uh, done some things that I'm not happy about. But I know my God in heaven when I reformed was there to greet me and welcome me back. Massey Shepard said about our calling today, it expresses succinctly as possible the whole doctrine of grace. If you read that over again, you'll see that. Massey Shepard was an Episcopal priest. He was a liturgist and uh, an author. When I was in seminary, you had to have a new copy uh, the priest manual written by him was like a sacred book now I don't know where he got all this stuff from but he said you cross yourself at this time and that time and, and you raise your hands like this and you, when you, you, you move your hands down like this when you say bless us and stuff I don't you know I couldn't make up that stuff but I have a sneaking suspicion he made it up Maybe he had some good foundations for it, but as a priest, you memorize what to do from that manual. When I was in Scotland, my bishop over there heard I was returning to the States, and he couldn't get a copy of it over there or didn't know how, and asked me to pick up a copy of it. But everything you see that we do in the service here pretty much is governed by a book like Massive Shepherd wrote that says when to bow, how to genuflect the whole nine yards. Uh, and it's been a tradition pretty much of the church, a lot of that stuff going back 2,000 years. He just put it together in a book form and added some things here and there. If you'd like to, on page 822 of the Bibles in your pew is the lesson from Matthew 17, 1 to 9, on the transfiguration. And take a look as I read this, and maybe you're looking at it too, your Bibles. Take a look at the characters involved in this. Put yourself in perhaps the disciples' place. And after six days, Jesus took with him. This lesson was preceded by uh, take up your cross and follow me. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter Peter and James and John, his brother, and led him up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are all here. If you wish, I will make Three tenths here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking, when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes they saw no one but Jesus only. Oh you know, when this was said before, this is my son with whom I am well pleased, is it was at the baptism of Jesus, if you want to, you don't have to back up in that Matthew's Gospel, of Matthew 3.17. And behold, a voice came up from heaven, said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Wow. If you put yourself in Jesus' place, there—a father saying that to a son, a father saying that to a daughter—this is my beloved, of whom I am well pleased. I remember about, it. gosh, it's more than 12 years ago. I decided it was about time I must have read this lesson, and um, and I thought I, I should tell my kids how proud I am of them. And I wrote each one of them a note and sent it to them. And pretty soon thereafter, they all called their mother and said, has he finally gone off the deep end? Because it was really uh, something I felt called to do, to tell them I was proud of him. Have you ever said, as a parent, how proud you are of your children? When is the last time you said it? It's important to them and it's important to you to say those things. And maybe in reverse, verse, maybe it's important for the children to say that to their parents, how proud they are to be the sons and daughters, how proud they are. The last of that verse in the Transfiguration is verse nine. And when they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead." This story just defies interpretation, although it hasn't stopped multitudes of people trying to say, what does this mean? What is the message in this? It's a mystical encounter, not only between God and God's beloved, but also between those at the center of the story and those who watch. Those at the center are Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Those who watch are Peter, James, and John. And then, of course, it's all of us watching them watch each other. And we watch and try to figure out what the whole thing means. What does this mean? And it dominates the way we look at Scripture sometimes. What is the hidden message here? Maybe I'll be the first one to discover what this is really saying. But we look at scripture and we put our thinking caps on and we do our best to decipher the symbols and the words and read between the lines and come up with the encoded message that Jesus has hidden in this passage just for us to find. In this case, the most common decoded message is that Moses stands for the law, Elijah stands for the prophets, and Jesus, of course, is the Messiah. By singing out Jesus as my son, the beloved, God sets the gospel over the law and the prophets. Listen to him, says the voice from the cloud. If anything, even remotely that strange has ever happened to you, then you know why Peter, James, and John were relieved when Jesus said, Tell no one about this. Think about it. There was supernatural light. Famous people came back from the dead. God talking to you from inside a cloud. Things like this may happen only in the Bible. But try talking about them to people out there in the world, and they will give you the card of a local psychiatrist or psychologist. It's hard to talk about these things, but we must. Another favorite part of my, of the scripture, in my opinion, is from the 16th chapter of Matthew, beginning at the 13th verse. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But Jesus looked at them intently in the eye, and he said, but who do you say that I am? And I think that's the question we need to ask ourselves every day when we wake up. Who do we say Jesus is in our life? Not only on that day, but on all days. Is he your Lord and Savior? Is he the one who's going to pick you up when you fall down? When you do things that you'd rather not do, who do you pray to? Do you pray to the Lord of salvation, to the the Lord of forgiveness, to the Lord who saves all who seek him? Let's say a little prayer. Dearly, Father, in our moments of weakness, in our times of trial, you do not leave us on that depth, that place alone. You are there with us to pick us up. You are there with us to not let us go there. You are there with us to bless us and love us and keep us as your faithful children as we go through this life the next. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.